The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, have you seen any recent movies that have centaurs in them? Mm, No. I haven't, but yeah. you recently sent out a great photo of 50 Centaur. Oh, yes. Well, that was uh, online. Various individuals seem to have a lot of fun creating centaurs out of humans, famous humans generally, and horses. Mm-hmm. But they have shown up in some movies, the Narnia movies, had centaurs in that. Harry Potter movies, Pierce Bronson even hoofs it up in Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, which is amusing to look at because it's one of these cases where the centaur is wearing clothes on its human part. Uh, it's just weird. Yeah, and then the horse is naked, of course. And you're like, why are you even wearing a shirt? Right. You know, In our films, it's interesting because they use various elements of costume and makeup and CGI generally to create these. A centaur is an idea that is kind of a monstrosity in the best of cases. But if you throw in kind of shaky CGI or makeup, it looks even weirder and a little more troubling to behold. Yeah, I have to say that in the Narnia series, that for whatever reason, that centaur drives me nuts. Yeah. Like, not in a good way. <laughs> anyway, it the, uh, is, it's a fine line. Yeah, I mean, they're ridiculous, yet oddly perplexing, and in large part because they do embody the dual nature of man, this idea of a man and beast hybrid, you know? Much like the satyr that we mentioned before, it represents the duplicity of man's bestial and pious nature. So it's why you also find centaurs running around in Dante's Inferno, thrusting sinners back to their assigned depths in boiling rivers of blood with spears. Mm-hmm. Um 
elsewhere in the world of sculptures. You find them choking heroes and punching yeah. heroes. They're always engaging in physical violence. Mm-hmm. With a few exceptions, you do have some notable centaur teachers who are very wise and want to help people. But a lot of centaurs seem to be perfectly happy with just punching dudes in the face. Yeah, it's funny because you, when you first think of them, it's sort of like in the realm of unicorns and they seem cute and, you know, like randier unicorns, yeah. half men. But they really are sort of bloodthirsty folk when you look at the tales of them. You see them in various mythologies. They're Mm -hmm. most famous for their role in Greek mythology. But you also find them in India. The Gandharvas Mm -hmm. are are basically centaurs. And then you find other cultural traditions that take new takes on what a centaur is. For instance, according to Carol Rose, a historian who's written a lot about monsters and symbolic Mm -hmm. meaning of monsters, points out that centaurs often pop up in European traditions to represent, quote, the suffering of of Christ as the man and the revenge taken upon his betrayal, which I find rather interesting and kind of hard to Mm -hmm. imagine. And then you'll also find some interesting takes on centaurs in sculpture. For instance, if you travel to the Louvre and you see the old centaur there, which is this statue of the centaur and his arms are bound behind his back Mm -hmm. and Cupid's riding on his back. Oh, that's right, yeah. There are originally two of these. You have the old centaur and the young centaur. And the young centaur is free and in love. And the old one has his arms bound by Cupid behind his back. So there's this idea of this dual nature of man and sort of the bestial urges that are commanding the human portion of ourselves and what the ramifications of that might be in later years. Well, and we wanted to focus on centaurs today because we thought, you know what, what if a centaur were to actually exist? What might it look like physically? What sort of vital organs would it have? Much like when we talked about King Kong or Godzilla. So we're going to kind of take you guys through this a little bit today, talk about not just centaurs, but mythology, mistaking mythology mm-hmm. for science, you know, in a historical context. And then we're going to take a look at our own bodies and try to figure out why we are designed the way we are designed. Yeah. First of all, we should state, just for the record again, there's no such thing as a centaur. They do not exist as real creatures. As powerful as the idea may be and as interesting as the topic may be, there has never existed a human horse hybrid creature. That doesn't mean that people didn't try to convince us otherwise. Right. Right? We've always tried to make sense out of fossils that we find, the way bones are aligned in the earth, the remnants of bones. So it's not impossible that one might come across the mixed bones of a human and a horse or horse-like creature and wonder, hey, I wonder if, I wonder if these are the same creature. Mm-hmm. How, how might these pieces fit together if I assemble them wrong? And then, of course, you have stories about the Spanish conquistadors arriving on horseback in Central America and the native people thinking at first that they were one creature right. uh, composed of horse and man. Yeah, how uh, to explain the first time someone rode a horse, right, and you see that cruising by. Yeah. You might think, what? So a lot of these fantastic ideas, I mean, monsters, on one hand, are always symbols. Monsters symbolize something. And so we've discussed a little and we'll continue to discuss a little about what a centaur means and what it represents about us. But then also we create monsters in an attempt to understand something or to illustrate something that exists in the world, such as people riding horses or strange ways that bones are turning up in the earth. Yeah, the Fernbank Museum here in Atlanta, I guess it was about was a year and a half two years ago, mm-hmm. had an exhibit that actually talked about these mythical creatures. And I did not see it, unfortunately, but you did see it, yes, right? Yes, took the niece and nephew. Yeah, and so they uh, wanted to talk about, with the public, specimens and fossils of prehistoric animals and try to investigate how they could have, through misidentification, speculation, fear, or imagination, inspired the development of some legendary creatures. They were talking about narwhal tusks from the North Sea, 
which they think could have given credence to this idea of the unicorn, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've ever seen the narwhal tusk, too, you can actually see the way that it's spiraling upward, just right. like you think of a unicorn. And how dinosaurs might have been mistaken for griffins, mm-hmm. for instance. Or undersea monsters, like giant squid, could have become these... The kraken. Yeah, the kraken, these crazy creatures that rose up with you know these 100-foot waves. 100-foot waves, true. Yeah. Rogue waves, but not so much giant three-headed octopus. That exhibit, which I believe is a Smithsonian traveling exhibit, mm-hmm. they also had a Fiji mermaid, which oh, was just a know, lot of fun. Yeah. Which is, yeah. of course, one of these sideshow carnival hybrid deals where they would take the remnants of a monkey and the mm-hmm. remnants of a fish, sew them together, and display the mummified remains. And it's, it's frightening and horrifying. And, and wonderful. And wonderful all at the same time. You tend not to see that kind of specimen with centaurs because mm-hmm. you're talking, you know, a horse is a big animal to deal with. And even if you had a large enough monkey to sew onto that body, that you're still talking about a lot of work. Yeah, you have and, to collect a lot of bones for that one. But uh, you do see some examples of people combining the bones of a man and the bones of a horse, mm-hmm. uh, specifically with an artistic result in mind. Yeah. I attended the University of Tennessee in Knoxville some years ago, and uh, they actually have an exhibit there in their library. I assume it's still there. Perhaps any UTK listeners out there can correct me on this if I'm wrong. But they have this exhibit called the Centaur Excavations at Volos, and it's made to look like the fossil remnants of a centaur skeletal system. It was always kind of thought-provoking. Well, in the description in the photo I saw, I mean, it's really pretty macked out so that it looks like it is indeed the real thing. I mean, it's entombed in a case with a faux marble base and simulated wood panels. Mm-hmm. You've got these skeletal remains of what they call a centaur burial, along with inscribed clay tablets. And you see there's a panel... And it says it's one of three centaur burials discovered in 1980 by the Archaeological Society of Argos near Volos, Greece. And they include a map, a woodcut. I mean, they make it look like, you know, this is a real thing. And the idea is that it's supposed to be an object lesson on the importance of skepticism. Yeah. Right? Like, it just because something is presented in a way that looks like it's got authority doesn't necessarily mean that... You know, these bones are the real thing. I think it's it's fascinating. And, of course, it's as you said, it's meant as, as artwork as well. Yeah, I kind of wish it would have become more of a heart for the university because the football team was the Tennessee Volunteers, and I never really paid any attention <laughs> yeah. to the football. But, but I might have had they been the Tennessee Centaurs, if that had been like the mascot. Yeah, it's very possible, right? I and mean, they should have taken that wholeheartedly because I think that's an... I wish my university had had such an exhibit. But what if... What if... A centaur could be real. Well, we should explore that after a quick break. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. 
Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. All right, we're back. The anatomy of the centaur. It's a fascinating uh, thing to think about. And we've discussed before, I love it when someone with a scientific mind uh, applies that scientific mind to something ridiculous, not in an attempt to prove that ridiculous thing true, but sort of as a thought experiment. Mm -hmm. So we actually have an example of that here. There's a wonderful paper that actually it published in the Annals of Improbable Research. These are the guys who do the Ig Nobel Prizes every year. Mm-hmm. And just a little background on that. They highlight real and legitimate scientific research that seems absurd. Generally, these experiments or papers or studies that they highlight, there's generally something to them. It's not just complete nonsense. And there's, there's always science to it. A lot of these scientific experiments are things that elect giggles from uh, a certain members of, yeah, the, of the audience. I'm thinking about the scientist who... A 40-year study of his own cracking of his knuckles right. <laughs> proved to his mother that it wasn't going to cause, uh, I don't know, arthritis or something, as his mother had claimed years and years. And that's a great example because on one hand, question 
answered, mystery solved. This yeah. dude set out and using science, using a rigid system of evaluation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Take that, mom. Investigated his mom's statement and proved it wrong. Uh-huh. You know, So that's awesome. But then on the other hand, it's a guy cracking his knuckles and keeping track <laughs> right. of it for this large portion of his life and then publishing the results. So a, a lot of stuff tends to line up like that. For instance, there was the, I think it was the Las Vegas study into the ovulation of strippers and how that affected their tips. Like that was also a study that Ig Nobel Prize's Annals of Improbable Research latched onto. That research, by the way, has been questioned. Oh, yes? By the way, yeah. Okay. Recently. And and a lot of research is, but still it was a scientific inquiry. Mm -hmm. And so we encounter a paper titled Anatomy of the Centaur. And this is from a German anatomist by the name of Reinhard. Do you have his full name? There? Yeah, H.C. Reinhard V. Putz of Germany's Ludwig Maximilian University, Munich Institute of Anatomy. Yeah, and he writes a paper where he just sets out with this question in mind. All right, so the, the centaur is not real. But what if it was? If the centaur was real, how would its anatomy work? How would its circulatory system work? How would it digest food? There are a number of anatomical problems that emerge in trying to imagine how a centaur works. And this guy decided to create an answer using actual science, using everything he knew about human and equine anatomy Mm -hmm. to combine those and create a probable centaur. Yep, you've got a hybrid system, so you have to keep this in mind. So centaur's heart, or we should say hearts. Right. Right, the centaur is going to need two of them, primary and secondary, to pump blood through this mashup of bodies. You're also getting into questions of, well, how does it digest food? Mm -hmm. All right, so the stomach would be in the horse section, but it would need to have a human stomach because the centaurs, according to most records, they're not going around eating hay or anything. They're going around eating human food. So right. they would have to have a human gastrointestinal system. Well, and lots of libations, too, according to yes. folklore, right? Yeah, yeah. They were lots big, of wine. Big drinkers. They lived large. Mm-hmm. And then he also gives a certain amount of consideration to the reproductive organs of the centaur. Are you because, talking about the penis? Yes. Most depictions, as he discusses, show no penis in the front of the centaur. And most mm-hmm. centaurs in art are, are males. Mm-hmm. You'd see no penis at the front of the centaur because that's like the front of the horse. That's like the horse's sternum, more or less, right? Right, so it'd be like a penis on a sternum. Right. So you tend not to see it there. You tend to see it back in the back, so where the horse's actual reproductive organs would be. Right. There was no definitive, though, right, like where the placement is, right? It just yeah. sort of makes sense that it would be in the hindquarters. Though you do see a certain variety, points out, the Cretan variety of centaur, which you'll see in some like mid-8th century B.C. Greek artwork, where you see a centaur that has more human legs in the front and human genitalia in the front. But then, oh, it's, yeah. but then it's unknown if it also has genitalia in the back. This is the problem when you start start trying to imagine mythical, unreal things as real anatomical creatures. I know. I'm just laughing that we're sitting here discussing the penis placement on a centaur. Yeah. I don't know how we got here, but we did. One of the things we found most interesting was the idea that Reinhardt argues that it would need two hearts. That it yeah. would need the, the, the human heart and the horse heart, both achieving a certain synchronicity in order for this being to exist. Which led us to think, okay, we've got two lungs, two kidneys, two eyes. Why don't we have two hearts? Exactly. Yeah. Why is it? Why is it just one of these? It's okay. Not there's a there's 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 a really good reason for this. Rutgers University anthropologist Susan Cashel says that the one heart two lung system began to emerge about 300 million years ago when animals first moved from sea to land, 
And the idea is that this one heart, two lung system was an easy blueprint to iterate as animals evolved into such divergent species as birds and insects and humans. Um, so we all evolved to have stomachs to digest food, lungs to breathe air, kidneys to filter waste. And this became the most efficient mold for nearly all species to evolve here and live on Earth. That is why, my friend. And here's another thing. If we were to have two hearts, it really wouldn't make a difference because your body is a system that functions at full capacity. So the addition of extra heart wouldn't really do much. So it seems like a cool thing, like, hey, yeah, why not have two hearts? It seems like that could really get us to move faster, pump more blood to our system, more oxygen to our brain. But that is not actually what would happen. I ran across an excerpt from a paper by a man by the name of Nikolai Sinistin. He was working at Gorky Medical Institute in Moscow, and this is from 1945. And he says, For a number of years, my laboratory has been studying the problem of transplanting the heart of vertebrate animals. In the animal kingdom, many necessary prerequisites exist for carrying out this important and, at first sight, impossible operation. The first stage was my work on cold-blooded animals, frogs, and fishes. After a number of experimental variants and the perfection of the the operation technique, I succeeded in transplanting to a frog a second heart taken from another animal. I planted the second heart in the same area as the heart of the host. Animals with two hearts show no difference from control frogs, and experienced biologists invited to examine them were unable to distinguish one from the other. Two-hearted frogs went through the usual nuptial period in spring and cast their spawn in the ordinary way, which is a delightful way of saying Two-hearted frogs also did it and made baby frogs. Did it just fine. Yeah. And yeah. Th- so they weren't able to tell. Scientists looking at the frogs weren't able to tell. So to your point, an animal with an extra heart thrown into the mix is not going to be a super frog or a super animal. No. It's going to work out. Yeah. You could actually do the same to a human if you were to intervene in the embryonic stage. Because here's the deal. During the embryonic stage of development, we actually do have two hearts and this is called the heart primordia, which eventually fuses together into one heart with four chambers. And we're also outfitted with two eyes during the embryonic stage, although we begin with one primordia of the eye, which eventually separates to form two. So if the primordia were to be kept from splitting, we would have a cyclops eye. Oh. How crazy, awful, and great is that? But then we could also conceivably engineer two hearts that early stage. Exactly. Because I believe exactly. they have achieved that with frogs. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. You could do it with frogs, you could do it with humans, but obviously that's not something you'd want to do. But there is something called heterotopic heart transplant that we should mention. Yes, we should, because it has to do with a guy, a human, who actually does have two hearts. Earlier this year, an older man was admitted to a hospital in Verona, Italy, and doctors were amazed because they could detect two heartbeats, both of which were displaying signs of dysrhythmia. And what they found out is that this guy had undergone a procedure known as heterotopic heart transplant. Which we don't really do anymore because technology's mm. gotten to the point where it's not necessary. But for a while, if you were going to transplant an additional organ in, say mm-hmm. a kidney, you wouldn't necessarily take the old organ out. Right. Because uh, it might be too difficult to extract. Right. Or there was the hope that the organ might recover while the new organ took over day-to-day functions. Right. It's kind of like, oh, well, we don't want to fire this person. Let's have them train their replacement for a few, <laughs> for a week or so. And right. if it works out, we'll just keep them both. And that's what happened in the chest of this Italian man. 
Yeah, yeah, the, the transplant team mated his new heart with his malfunctioning old one, and the chambers and blood vessels of the two hearts were married so that the new heart could support the old one. The problem, though, is that you can develop two independent heart rhythms, especially in a scenario where one heart gets a little bit better. Uh-huh. And in this guy's case, two dysrhythmic problems uh, led to him actually flatlining. Fortunately, though, he was jolted back to life with a defibrillator and his pacemaker was replaced. But it did kind of put, you know, doctors on alert to like, oh, yeah, hey, there are some people walking around with two hearts from this procedure. He would have a great excuse, I guess, if he was caught by his lady looking around, you know, and he would say, hey, what can I do? I got two hearts, you know. Hey, I got a lot of heart. Got a lot of heart. Yeah, um, something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he would love that joke. Seriously, though, it's it's amazing, though, to think there are individuals out there with two hearts in their chest. It's possible, conceivable, at an early stage to interfere in human development and create two hearts. Mm-hmm. So even these things that would factor into the existence of a mythical creature, we can pinpoint in the anatomical world at large. And also, like, the discovery, at least for me, that we did have this primordia eye that separated, that if it didn't, you would have a cyclops eye. So centaurs, there you go. That's just kind of a a quick run-through of what they are and some of the science tied up around them. One of the more thought-provoking ideas I ran across, I discovered it through some of the writings of author and theorist Ken Wilber, who was drawing from the works of Hubert Benoit, Jane Alexander, and Eric Erickson. And they used the centaur to describe the integrated state of mind and body. So the idea here is, especially modern humans, we tend to think of ourselves and our body, our brain and our body, as a rider on a horse. We're the rider, our body is the horse, and inevitably our horse ends up failing us. It's not going as fast as we want it to go. It's got a bum leg. It's trying to buck us. You know, it's uh, we're whipping it. We're, so we're whipping it. We have this relationship where we're the mind, the body is the horse, and we kind of treat the horse mm-hmm. like this thing that is subservient to us. Where in reality, the state is more like a centaur. It is an integrated state. So we've discussed before, we're not just a brain. We talked about the way our diet and the way whatever's going on in our digestive system, mm-hmm. how that influences our state of being. We're this integrated being. We're this centaur when it comes to the mind-body relationship. And that's definitely the more healthy and the more accurate way of looking at the relationship. So if your horsey parts aren't happy, you're not happy. Yes, exactly. So to speak. Because you are your horsey parts. Mm-hmm. That's... That's the the one takeaway from this uh, this episode. (laughs) So there you have it, centaurs. If you would like to share your thoughts on centaurs, your favorite centaurs from fact or fantasy, let us know about them. You can find us on Facebook where we are Stuff to Blow Your Mind, or you can find us on Twitter where our handle is Blow the Mind, and you can share any of that stuff with us there. And you can always drop us a line at BlowTheMind@discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.